live on 1611am SEN Top End and the SEN app. Welcome to Fridays at the Top End with Jackson Clark and Raf Clark for breakfast. Powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. Said, but it's a very, very big week of football. Obviously, the finals are heating up. There were some very entertaining games last week, especially the Waratah Nycliffe encounter, and there should be two very good games tomorrow. And the NTFL Women's Premier League, of course, has an absolute showdown between Pint, Queen Ants, and St Mary's. So, have a decent lineup of guests, if my memory serves me correctly, with Gemma Iacono. And uh, to talk about the women's game tomorrow, which is probably the match of the season so far. Both these teams have been very, very good and in great form. Saints have only lost once this year, and that was to Pint, while Pint have not lost since this corresponding game last year against Waratah. So a very good round of football in both the men's and the women's competition. G'day, mate. Sorry, we did have a bit of uh, connection issues. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Did you hear anything I said? I just spoke to myself for about two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I did, mate. I did. I think I was in your ear going, uh, Jackson, we're on, we're on. But anyway... Yeah. Here we are, mate. As you just said, it's going to be an absolute rip-snorting weekend of footy in the top end. But uh, let's just go back to, to last weekend, mate. And uh, there were some almighty great games, wasn't there? Yeah, 100%. So, um, obviously, the, the, the game that was really, really good, Nico, was Nycliffe and Waratah. That was a very, very interesting game. Um, Nycliffe have sort of had to come from behind there. So Waratah burst from the block and were really, really good. They looked like they sort of carried that momentum from the previous week where they got the win uh, over at Nycliffe Oval. So had that winning momentum against Tars and, and really showed it. Sorry, against uh, Nycliffe and really showed it. But ultimately, good teams do what good teams do. And Nycliffe were able to come back and sort of peg that. Uh, deficit before hitting the lead late in the contest thanks to a goal from Cody Zeust and it shows you the value of some of these excellent interstate players uh, Lockie Tardrew had 20 disposals last week for the Tigers, Cody Zeust 17 disposals which doesn't seem like a huge number but when you look at the stat sheet it was the third highest uh, for the Tigers plus the winning goal so you get those high quality players, the cream of the crop types um, and they can step up in these big games so Nycliffe 9-10-64 defeated Waratah 9-8-62 Waratah interestingly had Jay Jaden Magro as an omission. And I heard a little bit of goss last week that that was going to happen. I think I mentioned it a little bit on the show, but I was too scared to ask Dylan <laughs> Collis when we had him on. So, uh, yeah, that eventuated. No Jaden Magro last week, which was t- takes away. He's a bloke who's one of the leading goal kicker. So it sort of forced players like Anthony Mankara and some of their other forwards to step up. And Mankara did quite well, kicking three goals, three out of the nine goals. But um, they lacked a bit of an avenue into attack last week. And, and Nycliffe liked these low-scoring games. Um, you know, 9-10 to 9-8 isn't a particular shootout. So very good win by Lee Crossman's men. And, of course, in the earlier game, Southern Districts 12-10-82 defeated Pint. 8-8-56, so a 26-point win there. District started the much better team. It was a 26-point margin at half time, and they kind of just maintained that in the second half. I still think there's plenty to be written about Southern Districts' this season this year. I think for most of the year, they've carried that premiership favouritism tag and, and have been the team to beat, in my opinion. They've got a great midfield led by Jai Bolton and Jed Anderson, and then, of course, their ruck brigade of Wyatt Ryan and Matt Dennis. So a very tough team to beat, Southern Districts, and I think it'd be interesting to ask Coach Shannon Rusker if he can join us later in the show uh, to talk about where he sees the Crocs at at the moment. They've had to go the long way. They've got to win four consecutive, what essentially are elimination finals to win that premiership. So, um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting for the Crocs in the next coming weeks. But I think their team is still on paper as good as any other team in the competition that remains. Yeah, mate, I agree. I spoke to Sham last night on the phone. Hopefully you can join us uh, very soon. But, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's ex- he sounded ex- very excited on the phone. But can we just go back to um, Magro for, for a moment? Uh, what, mm. what, what did happen to him? 
I don't know. I would be speaking a little bit out of turn. So I was at the pub last week or a fortnight ago now, and, and that, that's where you hear all the scoops, oh, Nick O'Reilly, at the pub. And I was there and I had an opposition player come up and tell me, hey, uh, Jaden Magro won't be playing in the finals. And I said, okay, that's, that's that a bit the juicy. Whole, and the whole final series or...? Yeah, supposedly. Now, I um, you know, I don't consider myself a hard-hitting journalist. I don't really get paid for a lot of the stuff I do, especially the ones that just go direct to social media. So if someone tells me, like, your secrets are safe with me, guys. If people tell me a little scoop or something like that, I don't just run out to report it or anything like that. But it was inf- interesting information, that's for sure. Um, and I heard there that Magro wouldn't be playing. Um, and Magro's a great guy, and, and clearly when he was named in the team last week, they were, they were trying to keep something secret. So I thought, okay, look, this, is, this isn't my business at the moment. I'll... I'll I'll keep that under wraps, but I think I mentioned it a little bit on the show last week, just just sort of off the cuff. Um, and then, yeah, it eventuated. I've heard it's something to do with a hernia, maybe, or something oh, yeah, like that, or he had to get some kind of surgery that wasn't directly related to a footy injury. Um, so who knows? I don't know exactly if that's true. That could just be, again, pub talk, but there must be some element of truth to to something because he couldn't play last week. Um, so a huge out, Magro, oh, probably one of the best players in the comp. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Uh, they don't uh, Those kind of players don't go on trees. And as you said, huge out leading into the finals. Um, we, we will talk a little bit later on, uh, Jacko, about 7-plus coming into play and picking up the NCFL yeah. coverage, which is fantastic. We'll touch on that a little bit later on, but... Uh, Heading back to the Nightcliffe and Waratah game, I've got to be honest, I had a massive day on Saturday. I was in at SEN all day doing uh, SEN trackside, and uh, it's, a, it's a massive shift. It's a massive slog. And on Saturday night, I went back to uh, where I live in Fitzroy. I met, met, a few, uh, met a few mates, had dinner. And then I thought, oh, what I'll do is I'll go home. I'll put on the 7+, plus Nightcliffe, Tigers, Waratah. How good is this going to be? And, uh, well, apparently it was game of the year because I fell asleep in the last quarter. <laughs> yeah, well, that was the quarter you needed to stay up for. So, <clears throat> obviously, the Tigers outscored Waratah five goals to one, and they had to double their score to get it done. They literally doubled their score. They had four goals, eight thirty-two uh, at three-quarter time, and finished with nine ten sixty-four. So, an amazing effort there by the Tigers. But that's sort of what they've done this season, Nightcliff under Lee Crossman. They've they've been able to overcome the odds. They've were a team that was sort of predicted, I think, to finish around third or fourth, but um, they've sort of elevated themselves uh, to to a real premiership contender. Um, they've got two wins over St. Mary's, which will give them confidence heading into the grand final qualifier tomorrow night. Um, and and if you look at the players they've got, there's sort of little wonder that they're a mature group. You know, you've got Brody Philo and Cameron Eilert and a lot of sort of older heads there. Ryan Nyhouse, Lee Crossman's been there and done that. So a lot of premiership winning players in that team. I don't know if there's any player. And Nycliffe, you know, they're sort of asking your stats off the top here, but I imagine Nycliffe are probably the team at the moment with the most premiership players in it, you know, yeah. or, or most combined premierships like Philo's won three Islet's won nine so if you put them all together um, they might have the most premiership experience left in the comp the Tigers and that really helps come finals as we've seen and you know Waratah were the better team last week for, for large portions of the game but then the Tigers hit their straps when, when it was required Brody Philo led from the front with 28 disposals that was the most on the ground last week um, and Lockie Tardrew had a really good game too 20 touches he's uh, 
ex Collingwood VFL captain, I believe. So that's some serious credentials, Nico, when you're taking VFL captains, AFL aligned VFL clubs like the Collingwood Football Club, and he's their captain of their VFL team. So that's the blokes that we have the caliber of players running around in the NTFL at the moment. So the Tigers are in a really good spot, mate. Um, yeah, you've got to have to set that alarm next time because you missed out on a beauty. Yeah, I know. Well, I've just got to get better. Well, I'm, you know, I'm just getting older and you start falling asleep at <laughs> random times. I mean, you know, I, could, I could fall asleep any minute if you don't hear anything. That's, you know, <laughs> you know what's going on. But no, you're right. It's just that, that experience, that wealth of experience in the Nightcliff footy club outfit. Uh, they they just grind it out, don't they? And, and they, I suppose they have that belief within themselves with all those leaders that you just spoke of, especially someone like Cameron Island. Uh, they just go, you know, they're never out of it, are they? No, exactly right. And they'll need to lean on that this week against St. Mary's, who collectively also have a lot of experience uh, in winning grand finals because it's more than just the playing group that they'll put out there. It's more than just that 22. It's all... Uh, it's it's everything that combines with the St Mary's Football Club. You know, you go into their club rooms and all you see is flags everywhere, premiership flags. They've won the most premierships uh, in the NTFL competition and, and they're arguably one of the most successful teams Australia-wide, successful sort of local slash daily teams Australia-wide. So I think players feed off uh, Nico, the club premiership winning culture sort of ingrained in them just because of the football history. Uh, they're very, very for a very, very long time and they look prior and it's been a little bit boring. It's been like, oh, well, Saints will win this one. They've got the best team. I don't know they've got the best team this year, but they are in the best position. They're in the box seat having finished on top, had the week off um, and, and get to sort of observe last week's games and it was a bit of a bruising contest, you know, both uh, Nycliffe and Waratah, obviously their opponents this week, Nycliffe, they had to play the four, full four quarters last week. So there was no element of our resting players or, or anything like that. So who knows what players they have that are a bit battered and bruised after a long season. Well, I'm sure St. Mary's would have used this week uh, as a reset or last week rather as a reset before sort of fine-tuning a few things this week and, and being ready to go on, on Saturday night. So, mm. yeah, it'll be a very, very entertaining game. Um, the Tigers obviously have enough to get it done. You know, they've got that self-belief. Lee Crossman's a confident guy. We've spoken to him on SCN before in previous weeks, and he's been there before with the Tiwi Bombers, and that was a massively challenging year for Lee. Um, now that he's coaching a team like Nycliffe, which perhaps is um, maybe less of a challenge or, or more stable, for lack of a better word, when comparing the Tigers and the Tiwi Bombers, um, he's been able to focus. He's got a really good group around him, um, and he's also got those on-field leaders as well, like, like he did at Tiwi, but he's got your Cameron Islets and, and players like that that are in their mid-30s um, you know, in Cam's issues, closer to 40. But they've just got such great players, such great footballers around him and, and such great leaders for Crossy to lean on. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, um, uh, last week we had uh, Gray Morris, of course, on the show to talk about the top 100, but we were running out of time, so I had to cut him short. And we were going to try and get him on today, but he's uh, unable to do so. So we'll get Gray on next week, but just just quickly, we'll just have a quick chat and we'll, we might pick it up later in the show, Jacko, that we were... Gray and I were talking about who's going to win the the Nichols medal, which isn't too far away. And we, you know, everyone just says Dylan Lance straight away. But Gray seemed to think there was a few sneakies, like someone like Brad Stokes or uh, Jed Anderson, of course, uh, who's had a fantastic season. Just before we go to a break, your your thoughts and early sort of feelings as we laid into the the Nichols medal. Who who do you think is going to get there? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Obviously, if you had to put the house on it, you'd go with Dylan Lant. He polled well last year and has won, I think, most. I haven't really kept a track on the media awards this year, but I know Night Vision Analysis do a 3-2-1 every week. They're the guys that uh, 
record the official stats for the NTFL, and they've done their three, two, and one. And Lance won that by eleven votes, I think. So, uh, look, he's going to be a really tough man to beat, Dylan Lance, just because he's had so many games where you'd watch it and say, okay, he was easily best on ground. He had a thirty-six disposal, six goal performance, forty-something disposal, six goal performance. Had a fifty-six touch game against Palmerston, thirty-two touches, four goals against Waratah, and a close win. So, I think he's going to get too many three-vote games that it'll be a bit unjust if he's not the winner, but. Who knows? If he under-polls in some of the other games, um, perhaps, you know, your, your Paredes and Joel Garner types take some votes off him, then that opens the door for, I think, Brody Filer's had a very good year for Nycliffe. Scott Carlin and Arnold Kirby have had good years for Waratah. Jed Anderson, as you mentioned, won Southern District's best and fairest and is an exceptional footballer. I think if we're doing just player of the competition, he's definitely in the top three. Um, and then, of course, putting my Buffalo's hat on, uh, Jared Stokes has had a very good year as well. And, and as we know with Jared, he's a match winner. And nearly every Buffalo's win that we've had this year, Jared has been probably in the top couple of players. So I expect Anderson and Stokes and Philo and these types to a poll really, really well as well, just whether they can get enough um, to catch Dylan Lamp. But who knows? Maybe Lamp will have the second-year blues. We've seen players before. I think it was Gary Ablett Jr., um, win a Brownlow, and then the year after, they have a statistically better year, um, but sort of under pole. So maybe they're set to a higher bar or, or something like that, held to a higher standard. Who knows? But, yeah, I think, look, the safe money is clearly on land. Mm. Okay. Well, let, Jacko, let's take a quick break, mate, and we'll be back with uh, more soon on Fridays in the Top End. Live on 1611 AM, SEN Top End. And the SEN app. Welcome to Fridays at the Top End. With Jackson Clark and Raf Clark for breakfast. Powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End. 1611 AM, breakfast powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. This is Jacko Clark and you are joined by Nick O'Reilly as we await for potentially Raf Clark's arrival this morning. But we are hoping to be joined by Southern District Premier League coach Shannon Ruska. Shannon, do we have you on this morning? Yeah, you do. Good morning, Jacko. Good morning, Nico. Good morning, mate. Uh, I think Nico's going to do some producing duties at the moment, so it might just be me uh, this morning, Shannon. But firstly, congratulations on the win last weekend. Before we talk about last week's result and, and this week, were you disappointed with the fourth-placed finish? Obviously, you were in that top three for the majority of the season, but then that last uh, final round win by Waratah shifted things a little bit. Were you disappointed to find yourself in fourth position? Well, in, in a nutshell, yes. You uh, you play the season to give yourself that double chance, and unfortunately, the top four sides and top five sides were very good this season, and it was always jostling for positions, and we found ourselves in that unlucky elimination bout, but... Um, that's the way the cards played, and we just got to play them. Exactly right. A good win last week. You sort of put any distraction behind and, and got the job done against Pint. And, and I think pleasing to you is you started so well, got that sort of 26-point advantage by half time, and were able to maintain that for the rest of the game. Jai Bolton and Jed Anderson, they speak for themselves, two of the absolute top-line players in the competition. But a player that's impressed me in recent weeks has been uh, Dylan Barry. He's kicked 11 goals in his last three games. What has he been bringing to this team? Dylan's been a good player over many years, obviously from Alice Springs, and he's relocated to Darwin. So it's been his consistency and his ability to be training with the group that's producing that consistent um, output on the field. And he's been his tackle pressure and his physical pressure around the ball uh, is very good. But he also is very clever at seeing where the space is behind the play. So Dylan's got a very rounded game where he can play inside, outside, and hit the scoreboard when it matters. So. 
been awesome for, for Southern Districts this season. And, uh, you know, you name the big names that played very well last week. But, you know, it is the 22 players and the outside players are also playing their role. And that's what makes the team at the end of the day. Speaking of Jed Anderson, he just looks like a player that's brought so much to your football club. I know he was crowned the best and fairest winner a fortnight ago. And obviously as a Buffs man, Shannon, he's been around the club a lot. Uh, over the last sort of decade in between his, in, you know, while he's doing his AFL preseason. So he's a player, uh, at least when he goes at, to the Buffaloes, or at least when he was there, um, conducts himself just to the highest standard. And I can't imagine anything's changed now that he's at the Croc. So can you tell us about what Jed Anderson has brought to the football club this year? Professionalism. He's very professional mm. as, as what you'd expect from someone that's played at the highest level for 10 or 14 odd years that he was there. Um, that oozes out of him. But once he's there... Everybody wants to, you know, grow a level. And that's just natural to be around a player of Jed's calibre. And, you know, Jed, we've just asked Jed to play footy. We didn't ask Jed to do anything other than play and put a smile on his face, and that's infectious. And then the players around him, obviously Jed's commitment at the footy and he straight lines the ball and he's contested beast. Um, everyone just gets on the, on the bus with him. And then, you know, it's natural for him to do those type of acts. So... It's no different. We haven't asked him to do anything special. Just be happy and be excited to play the game again. How have you found having a player like Wyatt Ryan at your disposal this year? Obviously, when you've got Matt Dennis, who's been the best ruckman in the competition, perhaps ever, Shannon, perhaps the best ruckman we've ever seen in the NTFL competition. But now that you've got Wyatt Ryan, who's also a highly credentialed player in his own right, has it allowed more flexibility in the big man department? Definitely. It uh great to have that flexibility have the two two big men you know Matty wasn't going to play as many games as the previous season so we knew we had to find a ruckman to be able to you know give our midfielders great use and give them a little bit of an advantage so we went looking for a ruckman and, and white popped up and he's been a colossus in there he's a big body he's still only a young man he's still 21 or 22 so he's got a lot of footy in front of him but it allowed Matty to you know go forward and spend some time forward and Look after his body for all the travel, and I think he, I think he plays nearly 100 games. It'd be the first, you know, that's a, a pretty big feat to be a flying player to play 100 games. That's a lot of commitment. So being able to give Matt those opportunities to have a break at different stages has been wonderful. And you know, White just as damaging in the middle. So where we don't we don't mind who's in the middle or who's rocking between Matt and White. We both believe they give us um, different dimensions, but give us great service. What do you think the keys to victory are this week, Shannon? Obviously, I don't expect as a, as a coach to give all the intricate little details and the ins and outs, but as a, in a broader sense, what do you think the keys to victory are this week? It's been an interesting background with Waratah this season. Obviously, you played in the season opener um, and, and was smashed by 88 points, but, but as we know, you know, in October, things, things change very, very quickly in the NTFL, and the last time uh, you met Waratah, got a nine-point win at their home deck at Gardens Oval. So you've got that recent winning form over Waratah. What have you been focusing on at training? Well, in terms of training, we've just been going about our own our own business and making sure we we can tidy up areas where we've been deficient in. And I thought, you know, I think we've been doing that relatively well. And then we come up against Waratah. You know, it's last year's grand final rematch. We understood the the smashing that we got in round one and what we had to go back to the drawing board to fix. We got that, you know, semi right when we played them pre Christmas. We know that they're a different side to pre-Christmas. We know that they've got some very handy footballers last week. They got off to a flying start just to be overrun in the last few minutes of the game. But Kirby, we thought, was, was sensational just being that link runner that they 
you know, that they need. We thought Dylan Collis was you know, a fantastic player off halfback, and uh, as all captains do, they stand up when it was time to stand up, and he'd done that. And, you know, they've got really good footballers like Ryan Clark and Ed Morris, and they've got a very well-rounded game. Scooter Carlin's in, in great condition. So we know that we're going to be in for a tough four quarters. We're not under any illusion. We know that it's going to be a fast, intensive pace type of game from the get-go. So we're looking forward to starting fast and just matching them with them in those departments so we can give ourselves a good shot. Shannon, you've coached at Men's Premier League level for over a decade now, so you've got a really good gauge on, on a playing group and, and their belief, and obviously it's one week at a time and you need to get over Waratah and then, and then the following week, but do you still feel that that belief is amongst the group that you are as good as any team in the competition and can go all the way? Yeah, definitely, and that's that's why we play the game. You've got to play to play finals, and this group you know, do believe, without being arrogant, they do believe that they can make it to the final dance, and but they know that they've got, you know, obstacles in front of them. And they knew once they were in the elimination bout, they had to win three games on, on the trot to give themselves a, a shot at the final game. And, you know, it's one game at a time. It's pretty cliche, but they are preparing in that manner. And they know that they you've got to have belief. And if you don't have belief or if you don't have that care or harmonisation amongst your group, you probably don't make it this far in reality to the final. So, you know, they're confident, but they're not overconfident and they do respect their opponents, which is very pleasing. And last one from me, Shannon, obviously. Feel free to sit on the fence here. It's a bit of a, a bit of a tough question, but who are you tipping in that last game between St Mary's and Nycliffe? And will you be watching it, assuming you get the job done against Waratah? Will you be there with a the notepad uh, having a look at those two teams? Yeah, definitely. You know, when you're a mad footy head or a mad footy person, you always want to watch footy regardless if you're playing them and you're not. So we'll definitely be there. You know, if we win the game, there's more at stake. Our players you know, sat there and watched the game last week so they could uh, know who they were playing and what potential matchups they were playing on. So we'll do the same if we get through. Um, I think, you know, both sides deserve to be one and two. Like I said, the top five has been very close and, at, at, this, at this stage, you'd have to say St. Mary's finishing on top, having a bye. Uh, Shan, excuse my uh, probably ignorance. I've sort of been out of the NTFL say, uh, for, a, for you know a couple of years or whatever, but is this your first or second year back at the, the helm? Second year back at the helm? Yeah, and, and how, uh, how, have you found, how have you found it coming? Because you've obviously you had a bit of a break and then you've come back in. How have you found that coming back into the Southern Districts? Hey, it was it was great. It was unexpected, and uh, you know it was great. The club asked me to come back and fill some shoes after Matt had vacated the position, and I just had to put some uh, measures in play that needed to be uh, adhered to before I'd committed. And the club done that in terms of just resourcing, having the right people around. Uh, it's a very tough job to coach at Premier League level, like most people would know. You need you need lots of hands and. If you don't have those hands, then it becomes very arduous task. Yeah, absolutely, mate. It's uh, you've well, you know, from the outset and from from watching down here, and uh, you've done an outstanding job. Uh, good luck this weekend, and uh, we'll, we'll hopefully talk to you next week with a win. That'll be the plan, and uh, you know, it's going to be close game no matter what, and you know, it's going to be a close final series. And good luck to all the rest of the competitors still going. Beautiful work, mate. There's uh, Shannon Rusker there on eleven sixteen SEN. Jacko. Uh, Great chat from the from a great man, isn't he? Well, he's a guy that knows what it takes to win a premiership at NTFL level, and uh, you know it's nothing against the 
the coaches that have been there and failed, but when you talk to someone that's, that's got the job done and been there year after year um, at a successful football club over the past decade, then, yeah, you do get some great insights. Uh, so, look, it's going to be a really good game tomorrow night, Southern Districts and Waratahs tomorrow afternoon, rather. Uh, interesting that he's pinpointed Arnold Kirby as one to watch. Obviously, uh, that's going to be a tremendous battle. Obviously, games aren't always won and lost in the ruck. You know, sometimes it can be a bit of a not insignificant position, but, but not the sort of main focus on the ground where tomorrow it will be I think White Ryan uh, and Matt Dennis that duo is the best in the competition and then you've got Arnold Kirby who behind those two footballers is probably the best ruckman in the competition so uh, it's going to be an intriguing battle and obviously both midfielders and, and both midfields are stacked with uh, ex-AFL talent you're talking about Ryan Clark for Waratah Jed Anderson for Southern Districts it's going to be a phenomenal game and it'll be really interesting to watch that uh, that ruck battle closely absolutely mate let's get to a quick break here on uh, top and breakfast powered by Kubota take on any job with Kubota's mowers tractors and land pride attachments you're listening to Fridays at the Top End with Jackson Clark and Raf Clark for breakfast powered by Kubota take on any job with Kubota's mowers tractors and land pride attachments Raf Clark, a massive out this morning. Nico Riley in for you. Jackson Clark up in the top end. Jacko, it's almost as I just got a text off uh, Raf saying that uh, one of his uh, job sites was, uh, well, I had a bit of a visitor overnight. So uh, anyway, that'll be interesting to say. I was just about to put the the missing, you know, the missing person on the milk carton thing out <laughs> in the top end on the on the iced coffee, obviously. That's where it gets the most hits. In the top end. But, mate, before we... Oh, well, let's, you know, let's leave the, the jokes alone because it's not that very funny. But, uh, mate, the uh, 7 Plus, how good was this on the weekend uh, broadcast uh, an NTFL game? What you make of it? I think it's great, Nico. I think that there's a huge opportunity for broadcasting up in the territory. I know that I was speaking to a few years ago. I believe it was a representative from someone to do with Foxtel. And the talk then was, hey... There are some absolute footy nuts in the country and there's nothing to stop anyone from having like their AFL team and then in the off-season they've got their NTFL team because not everyone wants to switch over and watch the cricket. I'm not a massive cricket guy. Uh, so in the AFL off-season, I'd be a little bit lost without the NTFL. I'm so thankful that I've grown up in the Northern Territory so it's always been footy all year round. But I have spent a summer down in Melbourne before while uh, training at a footy club. And, uh, you know, you get bored. I mean, if you are a footy nut, footy nuffy like like I am, and, and I'm sure you are in a way, um, then it's just tricky sort of going six months without the game. So I know their plan then was that they wanted to grow the NTFL Australia-wide and, and have everyone sort of keeping tabs on a top-end team for the off-season. And, and I think an extension to that is, is just providing more coverage. So it's great that 7 Plus has jumped on board. Um, because it's such a great competition, Nico. We have some amazing footballers up here. We have a plethora of ex-AFL talent. We've got exciting footballers over the years like Ross Tungatalam and Rupert Papungamiri and Ephraim Tippenwoody and players like that that would become cult figures with a little bit more sort of coverage. So, um, yeah, I'm, I think I'm all for it, obviously. I think there's just winners all over the park uh, if, if we can grow this game um, up in the territory. So well done to 7 Plus, well done for the NCFL for getting that sort of happening. Um, and hopefully it's a sign of things to come. I think that a big inclusion, uh, sorry, a big addition to the NCFL competition in recent years has been the stats. Uh, of night, night vision analysis do a great job there, but they're even branching into live stats as well. So the more coverage, the better, Nico, and I'm sure we're on the same page with that. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And I, I don't know, I the 7 Plus thing was... It was just easy. It was great to watch where sometimes, you know, 
you know, maybe this ruffles some feathers, but the NT News, nah, I don't, I don't think it's really worked. And, I don't, you know, they might say that their subscriptions have gone up at the end of the day, Jack. Oh, it's, it's community footy. Like, it should be accessible for all, don't you think? Yeah, I agree. I think that, look, you're right. It will ruffle a few feathers, Nico, but we're, we're here to talk about it. We're here to speak openly. And, and no, the NT News subscription hasn't worked, in my opinion. Their numbers might say a different story or, or they might say it's worked from their end. But the amount of complaints that I've received, um, you know, the amount of people that send messages to my football page and, and it will happen over the coming weeks as we hit the finals saying, hey, how do I watch this game? I reckon I would have... So I, I, look, I'm a bit arrogant here, a bit, bit whatever, but I reserve the right to complain about the NT News Absolutely. because I have referred, I reckon, 50 to 100 people each season over to the NT News subscription due to private messages that I get on my footy page saying, hey, how do we watch the football? How do I watch NTFL live? I'm sending them the link. I'm saying, hey, you just got to download and you got to get an NT News subscription. And I don't know how many people would have followed through on on that so nah. I know back in the day when you could just access it by YouTube and, and you know watch it on the screen um, that was a lot easier for me and also mate I'm throwing it back on myself here I'm a little <laughs> bit techno- technologically terrible oh. and, and I can't sort out I don't have a HDMI and all that sort of stuff I'd rather just go through the app um, you know the YouTube app on my computer oh sorry on my smart TV and watch it that way I can't be bothered fiddling around with cords and no. plugging the laptop in and, and getting that just to watch the TV the NTFL coverage so look good on the NT News They've got to cut deals that, that suit them and, and AFL and T are, are happy too. And the NT News have provided great coverage on the NTFL competition for 60, 70, 80 years. But, um, yeah, when we talk about the moving forward in this realm, um, yeah, I'd like to see it go in a different direction. It's um, it's just funny because, you know, you pay, if you're paying for a service, right, say, you know, NT News might say, well, you're signing up for a subscription and that's our, our core business, which is fair enough. But there would be a hell of a lot of people that have signed up for an NT News subscription purely for the footy and then some so if you if you're paying for the footy i think you should get a pretty good you know you should get a pretty good service and you know it drops out and it's not you know it's at the end of the day it's community footy and it, yeah look it does drop out but you're still paying for it which brings me to my next point like with Kaya, uh, jacko i don't know if you have this problem but plenty of plenty of uh, panels down here do is that you pay and i nearly fell off my chair when ko said they were upping upping it the subscription from 30 bucks a month to 35 it drops out all the time. If there's a lot of people on it, it does that, you know, the buffering thing and it pauses yeah. and it jumps and starts. Don't put the price up if it's going to just buffer. I mean, you feel like calling it the, like the buffer king or something. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. The product has to come first and foremost and exactly right. Whenever you're charging, and that's the nature of the business, but whenever you're charging people, um, you know, they reserve the right to complain and, and pick out inconsistencies with it. So I haven't had that issue too much with KO. I was stuck down in Victoria during the lockdowns. Um, so KO was getting a fair old belting. Um, but <laughs> yeah, that was probably my only experience with, with KO and, and it wasn't too bad. So uh. Um, but uh, exactly right, mate. And, and and the NT News, it's nothing. It's not like it's a bash fest no. against the NT News or anything no. like that. They provide good coverage. We've just spoken to Gray Morris about the top 100 list, and I love that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, I agree. I think that when you can – when there's something to compare it with, when you can go and watch, um, say, the Ovens and Murray Grand Final and, mm. and different uh, places like that, there's different competitions that stream their games live, and a lot of it's free. So I think when you can compare it to those, um, it, it's always going to, yeah, it's a hide, they're on a hiding to nothing, uh, the NT News, with, with that sort of side of things. Yeah, well, I mean, hopefully, you know, hopefully it's a sign of things to come and hopefully, you know, seven, moving forward, seven go, well, all right, let's let's uh, let's broadcast a game a week or let's pick up all of them or even like chucking on KO so I can, 
and get another thing that frustrates me to, to for it to buffer on is the, the NTFL. Hey, mate, uh, plenty of uh, movement always this time of year with a lot of NTFL players making some moves down south as I have a look. We've got about three minutes. Just what are some of the, the names that are sort of heading south and, and where are they heading to? Yeah, so obviously there's probably... A hundred different names. The Cairns region's been a bit of a hotspot for territory footballers in recent times. Obviously, Aaron Davies been up there and coached a few flags for the Cairns City Lions, and uh, a number of names have filtered through that team. And, and higher quality players too, like your Jackson Calder and Jaden Magro, and, and the list goes on of players that have played uh, for the Cairns City Lions. But a couple of the ones that sort of stand out for me is Braden McLean, who was recommitted to Western Region Football Club, Caroline Springs. They are a good team in, the, in obviously, WRFL. But he found that link through Josh Cabillo, who's an absolute legend of local football in Victoria. And, and he's a former Wanderers player as well. So Braden McLean has brought his talents and his silky skills to the WRFL and, and will recommit there. I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago about his journey down there. And he said it's like a second family. He said his only regret is is that uh, he wishes that he found the, pl- the place earlier. And it's a big commitment for Braden. He's got a partner and, and young kids, yeah. and he relocates down as well. So you see a lot of these players commit to flying in, um, but for him to sort of uproot his life twice now um, and, and bring bring the family down to Victoria, where, let's face it, Nico, those winters can be a little bit unforgiving if you're a Territory kid. So um, he's done really well there, uh, Braden. And then, of course, the big one as well, Stephen Motlop has joined his former teammate Nathan Vardy at the Hampton Football League Club, North Warrnambool. So good standard of football ball in the Hampton Football League and uh, I imagine Stephen Motlop will be a flying player there. So two big recruits there, Nico. Yeah, absolutely. Even that, that drive down Warnable way, like, I don't know how some of you fellas do it. Like, and I've never, like, you know, good on you, fair bit of coin, you know, that's mm. involved in a problem. The coin helps. Oh, my word. But, I mean, think, think about, I, I hate the flight from Darwin to Melbourne. Like, mm, probably because I'm a bit of a tall unit too and I get jumpy legs and blah, blah, blah. But, that, you know, Doing four hours on the flight down. By the time you, t- you, you know, you put on an hour either side too. There's six hours gone, right? And then you have got to jump in the car, and then head down to somewhere like Warrnambool, or sometimes up the Murray. Some of the boys go up and play with uh, the Tin Man up uh, Swan Hill. Well, I don't know what club he plays for, but up that way. Geez, I tell you what, it's a bloody fair hike for a game of footy. Oh, yeah, for sure. I know Central Murray's a bit of a hot spot as well. Sorry to use that word twice, but uh, for territory footballers, and that's not close to Melbourne. I know uh, Jared Stokes and Hassan Ahmed Watkins from the Buffaloes were doing that last year, and there were some games. It was important for them to catch that flight, that Saturday flight back. So there were some games where they couldn't play because it was a difference between three and a half hours and four and a half hours. So, um, yeah, exactly, mate. It's a, it's a huge workload on players, and, and those who have young families and those that are entering their late 20s, early 30s, I don't know how they continue to do it. All right, well, let's get to the news, and we'll be back with Tash Medbury here on uh, SEN Top End Brekkie. Welcome back to Top End uh, Breakfast on SEN with Nico Riley and Jackson Clark. Jacko, uh, we were just talking off air then and having a bit of fun with it, but there's a there's a bit of a celebrity boxing match happening down at Gatherround, and two greyhounds that stand out for me, of course, is Nathan Brown and Kane Corns. Talk me through it. Yeah, look, I uh, I love boxing. I really do. It's uh, something that I 
enjoy. I watch all the time. I I jumped in the ring myself. I've got a zero and one record, and and with my concussion issues, mate, I've always I always one of those people that had a chip on my shoulder. I wanted to rectify that. It was always, nah, I'm going to have that fight. I want to get that win back. But yeah. but gee, I don't know. I don't think my head can take a a flick now, let alone a punch. So um, I don't think that's going to happen. But in the meantime, I can be a I can be one of those guys who sit down with a beer and and watch the fights and, and pretend they know everything. So um, yeah, Kane Corns and Nathan Brown. How's this one going to go? I think um, firstly credit to anyone who hops into the ring. It's a it's oh, a very very uh, scary thing to do. It's a very sort of vulnerable thing to do to put yourself out there like that. And um, well done to Cornsey. Obviously, they've got you know a lot of people in uh, in Australia would like to be in Nathan Brown's position <laughs> to be able to sort of lay a few on Cornsey. But I love the work that he does uh, in the media, and, and I, you know full credit to to him for jumping in here. I think, gee, I don't know. I'll give give Nathan Brown the advantage here, I suppose. Um, Corn said. Yeah, well, Corn said he hasn't hopped in the ring since uh, Mark Williams made him do it after a couple of bad losses for the power. So, uh, yeah, who knows? Corns is fit and, and he's dedicated and determined and one of those guys where when he sets his mind or something, he does it very well. So, look, I don't know. I'm, I'm tipping Brown in this one, but but where, where do you see it going? I, th- I say it the other way. I think, um, you know, Cornsy with that all that marathon work is the grit and determination uh, where then on the flip side, I saw uh, on the social media over... Uh, you know, the Christmas sort of the period, Nathan Brown over in New York with like some sort of skivvy sort of vibe on and this like gold chain. I was just, uh, just thinking. But surely myself. he'd have the size advantage, wouldn't he, Brown? Uh, yeah, but when you're built like horns, which is a very fast greyhound, you can imagine how fast he is. And like, I don't know, he's Nathan Brown in the best nick. I haven't probably seen him really in, mm. in a while. But uh, Nathan Brown, a, a great Bendigo product. And that, well, you know, I say that because. I come out of Bendigo, but uh, he, uh, yeah, I, I just don't know how it's going to go. But there's some some sort of mouth-watering uh, battles. Like we'll, we were talking before, Mitch Robertson and Kane Pettifer, that's going to be absolutely lit. Two absolute mad dogs. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, mm. I just don't know. Uh, which, I don't know which way to, to throw that one. I know Kane Pettifer. Um, you know, a good Port Melbourne boy. And the, and the, the boys that get around, you know, the, the OGs of Port Melbourne are, you know, known to um, throw a few and throw them well in the boxing ring. So, uh, and Mitch Robinson, of course, you've played with him. Uh, how do you think he would go? Oh, look, Robbo is a man that you don't want to cross, i tell you that much. He's a very friendly guy, but he's just got that crazy look in his eye sometimes, you know. And um, look, I, full credit, I know we've used that a little bit, but full credit to Mitch Robinson. Kane Pettifer has had a couple of pro bouts um, and, and has had, been sort of open about his boxing background and his love for boxing. And you're right, um, for Mitch Robinson to jump in in his first ever experience in the ring, um, I think it's a big challenge. I think it's huge from uh, Robbo to put his hand up for this one. You know, he could have started lightly he could have said no nah, no nah, give me Dane Swan or someone like that but he's jumped straight up to Pettifer who isn't necessarily a huge name obviously we all know him being footy nuffies but um, you know it, it's not like a, a celebrity bout or, or whatever that Robbo's going for here he's sort of fighting someone who can definitely throw him so look one thing about Mitch is he's in pristine condition he sort of keeps his body in great shape he was up here playing footy just a few weeks ago and um, yeah I, I, obviously that's that's who I hope wins. Um, you know, I'll be a bit biased with this one. He's a good fellow, Mitch. So, 
yeah, my, I'm, I'm really hoping that he can sort of get the job done against Pettifer here. But my, more to the point, I think it's great courage uh, by him for jumping in against against Pettifer. Mind you, Pettifer is in his early 40s now. So, um, you know, Mitch is 35, 36 as yeah. well. So they're not spring chickens, either of them. But they um, it should be a really good fight, this one. I, um, hopefully, Robbo can get the job done. And then, then apart from that, you've got some other fights as well. You've got Anthony Rocker and Corey McKernan. Um, and then Dane Swan and Dale Thomas. How do you reckon those ones are going to go? Well, see, Anthony Anthony Rocker and Corey McKernan are probably around the same age, so you'd probably put that. They should do. They should have done um, like classes, not not heavyweight or super. You know, all that sort of stuff. They should have done mm. like the coffin cheaters. But, you know, one foot in a on a banana peel and one in the coffin with uh, Anthony Rocker and Corey McKernan because they're a bit older. Kane Corns, well, Nathan Brown. That would be the the greyhound thing. But then Dane Swan and Dale Tom, Dane Swan and Dale Thomas would be. Well, see, this was this is the one that's going to interest me because that, that might be a bit more WWF sort of vibe because mm. you know they're you know ex ex teammates at the Pies. Um, they're both you know they both love to have a bit of a party. Uh, you don't think that they'd be taking it too serious? Where I think the others, well, especially Robinson and Pettifer, will, will be serious. Anthony Rock and McKernan might be a bit lighthearted. Corns and Brand will both have you know uh, both have points to prove in the ring. But then this Dane Swan and Dale Thomas one will be, a, you'd think, a bit more WWF style. You would think so. Um, it's an interesting one, that. Like, Dane Swan probably passes the eye test a little more than, than Dale Thomas when it comes to hopping in the ring. But Daisy must, you know, he would have known Dane Swan very, very well over many years playing alongside of him. So he must have looked at him and thought, you know what? No, I can take this bloke. You know, everyone sort of, there's a bit of a hierarchy at footy clubs. There's blokes you look at, not that you're thinking about who you can beat in a fight or anything like that, wow. but it's an interesting <laughs> one there. Thomas must, he must be uh, quietly confident to put his hand up to get in the ring against Dane Swan. Um, and Corey McKern, I was just looking up him. He must be a very competitive guy. He's 50. He's 50. I don't. I couldn't imagine being 50 years old, waking up and thinking, you know what? I'm gonna, for the first time in my life, I'm gonna hop in the ring here and have a fight. Like yeah. to make your, your pro debut or, or whatever we're calling this, your exhibition debut as a 50 year old. That's that that interests me, Nico. Nah, no, no, not on my watch. I can't think of anything worse than doing something like this. And someone that's uh, that's copped a few in, in his time, there is nothing worse than getting punched in the face. And you couldn't pay me enough to get in a ring and and. And, uh, and do it. And, mate, hats off to you. And uh, to be honest, I didn't know you did uh, your zero on one. Where, mm. Was that all up in the top end? Yeah. So I had osteitis pubis as a young fella in between footy seasons. Um, I was 18 and obviously wanted to do a sport that didn't involve a lot of running, which obviously silly me because there's heaps of skipping and running <laughs> in boxing. But, yeah, no, I did that. I've always had an interest in it. I've always um, liked MMA. I've, when I got kicked in the head with one of my concussions, that was doing MMA training. I've done a bit of jiu-jitsu and stuff like that. Um, by no means do I think I'm a big, tough street fighter or anything like that. I haven't been in a street fight in my life, um, not even in primary school. So uh, it was always something that I wanted to try. Um, and the thing that I got a lot out of it was going to boxing training and how accommodating and how welcoming everyone was. I thought that it was going to be a macho environment where you could never say, hey, I'm a little bit worried hopping in the ring here. I'm a little bit scared or I'm a little bit unsure if I'll win against this guy. I thought you had just had to put on a brave front it was all going to be like Conor McGregor, you know, and it was all going to be like that and everyone was walking around. But, nah, it's a complete opposite. Um, so, yeah, no, I hopped in there. I was pretty proud of how I went. I was 18. I was against a 30-year-old who'd already had a couple of fights and it was competitive. It wasn't um, – it was like a split decision or something like that. But, yeah, ended up with the loss. Um, tried to chase him down to Catherine to fight him in the ring, of course, a couple of months <laughs> later, a month we, or two later. Got in a Land um, Cruiser but, and we headed down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but that didn't eventuate. So, yeah, unfortunately, the footy season 
rolled around and I forgot about it all. And I always thought, no, I'll, I'll, I'll even the ledger and hopefully go one on one. But yeah, I don't know, mate. I'm, perspective's changed a little bit and I'm a little bit older now and a little bit more um, more crooked in the head. So we'll <laughs> see how we go. I don't think I could get through, get through the training, let alone a fight. You're listening to Fridays at the Top End with Jackson Clark and Raf Clark for breakfast. Powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. Fridays in the Top End, Nico Rolly and Jackson Clark. And joining us on the phone is Natasha Medbury. G'day, Tash. <laughs> I'm back, I'm back. Jeez. <laughs> hey Tash, how are you? It's uh, Jacko here again. Good to join you. I just went on a uh, two-minute monologue here, talking about getting you all emotional, talking about how good the NTFL finals were going to be this weekend. But uh, Nico's cut me off, and, and and rightly so. So we've got you on the line now. Uh, two really big games tomorrow, Tash. We were just talking about the Waratah and Southern Districts one. We just spoke to Crocs coach Shannon Rusker about how his team's looking, and they've won five of the last six games uh, leading into this round. So they're in good form. The Crocs despite that loss uh, recently that they had. Look, where do you think this one's going to go? Yeah, it's going to go down to the wire. It was a great game as well uh, last week. But just looking at the Tars side, I heard you just mention Mankara. He's not actually named in the... Uh, we know the mm. team sheets can change, but he's not named, which is a, um, a massive out considering he kicked the three goals last week and was a really focal point down the forward line. But you spoke about Magro coming back in. I just think that, you know, looking at Crocs in the midfield, Anderson, Bolton, Johnson had an absolute blinder. And then you got Brander up forward. I just think, you know, m- matching against Tars, probably in that, that midfield is just a, a bit stronger there and I can't wait to see the ruck duel of last year's grand finalists of uh, Matty Dennis up against Kirby, of course, with Ryan chopping out in there. Now, Matty Dennis isn't quite fully fit with the injuries he's carried this season. Looked to, you know, wasn't at his running best last week, but is slowly getting back into the uh, the game. And I just think that he's a, you know, last year's Taney medalist is a, is a big. Um, a big key in that midfield of getting the ball down to the likes of Anderson and Bolton and Johnson. 100% Tash. And while we're talking about team selection, and that shook me. I've just gone and had a look at the team list. And if we're looking at the emergencies, right? So at the Waratah emergency list, you have Joel Crocker, Scott Carlin, Ryan Clark, Anthony Mankara, as you mentioned, Joel Hillis, Will Collis. And then if you look at Southern District's emergencies, you've got Ronald Fijo and Jai Bolton and players like that. You wouldn't think it'd be too difficult, Tash, for teams to just name their actual actual team. I mean, coaches get the team list 45 minutes or 90 minutes before the game anyway. So there's enough time to make those last-minute preparations. But that's always bewildered me, and it's been a pet hate uh, at the SEN desk when Robbie Hale and I have been talking about it. So interesting, that one. But look, you're right, Tasha. Either way, these teams are going to go in locked and loaded. And uh, that midfield brigade, as you mentioned, Bolton and Anderson, uh, so damaging. And then Tars, I think the player for me, Tash, is that slipped under the radar is Lachlan Cassidy. He's won a couple of league medals or at least one league medal in the Ballarat competition and seems to play well all the time for Waratah. Um, a very good footballer and, and they've got so much depth throughout that midfield. You know, your Brody Carrolls and Ryan Clarks and players like that too. But I said earlier in the show, and, and, and thanks for reiterating, I think the ruck battle is just so intriguing tomorrow night, isn't it, between Kirby and then that partnership of White Ryan and Matt Dennis. So um, it could be an interesting forward line battle too. Jared Brand has been in good form all season and, and you know, the question marks surrounding whether Jaden Magro will be fit and ready to play uh, also remain. So, Tasha, I'm excited about this one. Which way do you think it's going to go? Oh, I think it's just a, I'm going slightly with the Crocs there in a, in a tight one. But also another man in Waratahs, I think, this season that's been, you know, an unsung hero, Zoe Sullivan. Jack O'Sullivan, the swing man, can go back oh, or yeah. forward 
And I think he's a dark horse as well because he's very hard to match up on, very strong and very skillful. I think he, he falls under the radar of a lot of opposition coaches. And I just think, you know, if they need him down back, he, you know, usually starts there. But he can go up forward and, and snag a few goals as well. But I'm tipping Crocs in a, in a close on within, you know, probably a goal or two. Yeah, I'm sort of leaning the same way, Tash, but you're right. Jack O'Sullivan's an absolute star. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the competition. He can dominate a game, not just, you know, play well or impact, but he can dominate a game from the forward line or the back line. So a very, very good player there. Hey, the late game is St. Mary's versus Nike live with the winning team earning a spot in this season's grand final. So plenty up for grabs here. This is another really interesting game too. I think on the surface, it seems like St. Mary's should enter as favourites. They've finished as the minor premiers. They've had the week off. But if you look at the head-to-head form between these two teams, Nycliffe have had the wood in recent years, and, and particularly this year. They're two wins to zero. Um, they're in pretty good form. Last week, it was a shaky start. They only kicked four goals to three-quarter time, but then stormed home late with five goals in the last quarter to sort of pinch it from Waratah in a, in a thriller last week in the qualifying final. Brody Philo's in great form, 28 disposals. Cameron Islet was named in the best players last week. Of course, he has a long and decorated history with the St. Mary's Football Club, so he'll come out firing this week. And some of their sort of not lesser known, but some of the recruits that perhaps haven't been completely pumped up by the media this year, but your Lachlan Tardrew and Cody Zeus and players like that, they're also in very good form. Liam Wiley-Buxton in the ruck should give them first use. And an interesting one too, Tash, is the return of Jonathan Lanyon. So he hasn't played Premier League since October and he, he starred for Banks last year alongside Wiley-Buxton, coincidentally enough, um, and Crossman, who was the coach. But he was a surprise return last week and had an equal game high five tackles against Waratah. So he'll add plenty of grunt around the contest and sort of free up your Philo types a little bit more. Saints, as we know, Tash, they've got a very good team and, and a lot of that comes down to that midfield brigade with Joel Garner, uh, Nate Paredes and especially Dylan Lant, who in my opinion is probably the best player in the competition. Um, but he was held to just 10 disposals in the game against the Darwin Buffaloes. So, I mean, it'd be interesting to see whether Nycliffe stick, I think, Rinaldi, who has a great job tagging Lant, whether they do that to try and nullify him. Um, it, it's just so many little battles within a battle uh, in this game, isn't it, Tash? Oh, 100%. And, and you're right. I, I mean, I think they say the, the, the time of the tag has sort of gone out of the comp, but you shut someone down like Dylan Lant to 10 possessions and you can nearly just about get over the top of a team like St. Mary's. They've got other players, of course, that can pop up, but he's so vital to them going forward and a goal-kicking midfield that if you can shut down his influence, you know, you, you go in close to then getting on top because he's just the barometer of that team. And with Tigers gone under the radar a lot this season and also through finals. So to, to get where they are, you know, they'll be happy to stay as underdogs and, and go into that um, con- into this weekend's contest as the underdogs. But like you said, they've won both games against St. Mary's. So St. Mary's would be very nervous. But, you know, halftime, I, I, there's a couple of people saying, oh, no, Tigers are yeah. gone. I said, there's one team that can score very quickly and it's the Tigers. So if they're four or five goals Yeah, down, I agree, you know, Tash. Sorry, we need to cut to a break, but I agree. It's going to be an absolutely intriguing contest for this one, so make sure we get down to this one. All right. No worries, mate. Have a good one. Live on 16.11am, SEN Top End and the SEN app. Welcome to Fridays at the Top End with Jackson Clark and Raf Clark for breakfast. Powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the top end, 16, 11 a.m. Breakfast powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors, and land pride attachments. We are hoping to be joined this morning by one of the St. Mary's Women's Premier League star players in Gemma Iacono. Gemma, are you there this morning? Yes, Jacko. Can you hear me? I can. I can. Hey, Gemma, look. 
I learned my lessons. I'm a guy that can learn from my mistakes. And I was going to call you a veteran, but I heard when I referred to you as a veteran a few weeks ago in an article that, that it didn't go down real well. Was I was I out of line there? Uh, yeah, I think so. I'm not I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> Look, well, you're about my age. I, I feel I feel old. I feel like admittedly I, I feel about five years older than what I am, but um I'm not talking about your age, Gemma. It's more about your experience and all that you've done for NT football. You're a done a lot for a long, long time here and, and look, we'll talk currently about the season ahead because you have a massive game tomorrow afternoon uh, against Pint. It is the match of the season so far. I, I called it last time and, and then it resulted in a draw but I said earlier that I think it's a two-horse race and, and you've got to be careful making statements like that but Pint and St Mary's have been the two best teams uh, in this competition this year but the, the Queen Ants, they have not lost in over a season so you're going to have to find a chink in their armour so to speak. Where do you see a weakness in that Pint team? Um, well, I think going back on last game, because it was so wet, um, and it was just a scrap, it could have been anyone's game, and then it resulted in the draw, but I feel like if it's going to be dry, um, our run and our spread, um, and just the talent that we've got and the depth, I think that's just going to help us get over the line this weekend. 100%. I think the talent is undeniable at St. Mary's. We've had Rick Nolan across the desk here and he is very open in saying that St. Mary's are a more talented team. So uh, obviously you'd be hoping for everyone to fire and, and then get the job done that way. Janet Baird has been a great inclusion. Uh, what has she brought to the team? Oh, she has been amazing, especially like that centre-half back role. She's able to not only you know take those intercept marks, but she's like a general down there along with um, Nikita Long and Barbara Islet, like that experience and that depth. But Janet just injects that AFLW experience um, and just her knowledge and she's able to just, you know, steer the ship from the back line and it's been really good having her on board this year. 100%. And obviously, you'll need that back line to fire to stop players like Steph Lawrence and, and the dangerous forward line that the Queen Ants have. Um, look, the best player on the ground tomorrow, if we're not talking about Jasmine Hewitt. Obviously, she puts her hand up too, but Danielle Ponta, easily the most credentialed player on the ground tomorrow. She is an AFLW star, and not only that, I spoke to her last year, and she said that an NTFL premiership with St. Mary's would mean just as much as what an AFLW premiership would mean. So she'll be ready to go. It's not like, say, in you know the men's Premier League sometimes where they fly in an ex-AFL player and you don't know if their heart's fully in it. We know that Danielle Ponta will do anything uh, she can to get Saints over the line. So it must be fantastic playing with a player the calibre of Danielle Ponta. Yeah, uh, playing alongside Danielle, it's amazing. She just goes about her business. No fuss. Um, she just gets the job done. She's so humble. She's probably hating the fact that we're talking about her right now. But, um, yeah, she just brings a whole, you know, that St. Mary's, the just the drive, I guess, and everyone wants to win and everyone wants to push for her as well. It's not every day that you get an AFLW player of that calibre to come in and play local footy and back at their home club. So everyone's, you know, really rallying around that as well. 100%. And Gemma, you have had a terrific career in the NTFL for a long time now. I started at the Double Blues and you are a champion of the Buffets. Um, even even though you're a Saints player now, you'll always be a champion Buffets player. Uh, how have you found your form this season? How's the body holding up? There were a few injuries earlier in the year, uh, if I'm not mistaken, but how, how have you found your form, especially post-Christmas? Um, well, I 
Um, well, I had a season in Cairns um, in the off-season. That was really good, and I enjoyed that a lot. And I had Jacob Andre. Um, I was doing his footy fit program, um, so doing that strength and conditioning, which was awesome, and he tailored it um, to me um, playing as well but also having a pre-season. Um, and then, yeah, in the... Earlier on in the season, I torn two ligaments in my ankle. So my physio, Phil, who's a part of St. Mary's, he was really good and got me back on the track. But, yeah, just making sure that I'm doing all the right things. Um, at St. we've been training very, very hard and recovering and making sure we're doing all the right things. So, yeah. Very good. It sounds like you've got a team of people. You're like LeBron James. You've got my physio, my my trainer, this and that. <laughs> no, I love it, Gemma. Hey, look, it's an interesting game. Yeah, it's an interesting game uh, before your one. You won't be able to watch a lot of it because you'll be going through your own preparations. But um, And it can be an awkward topic for people to talk about. But what's your take on the Nycliffe-Waratah game before that? You had a first-hand look at Nycliffe last week. And I thought they were competitive earlier on. Um, but then Waratah come with a lot of form as well. So had that sort of shaky end of the season but then a 103-point win uh, last week and, and a type of team from what I gather, talking to Rick Nolan, that when they've got all their players available and, and flying up and all that sort of stuff, um, they can be as good as any team just about in the competition. So where do you see the Waratah-Nycliffe game going? Uh, I think Waratah, with their full-strength team, they'll probably beat Nycliffe. Um, the likes of Steph O'Brien, she mm. is an amazing player and they've got her back in. Um, Alicia Healy, she's another quality player. Um, and Aggie Singh, she's back in the team, so she's a live wire down the down the forward line. She's really hard to stop when she's on. Um, I just think that they have more depth and experience. However, Nightcliff, like credit to them, they've worked so hard over the past few years. Like Shannon Miller, really pushing that program and done all the work then. Um, but yeah, they have some quality players as well. But I feel like Waratah is just going to get the better of them. Sorry. Yeah, fair enough. Hey, good luck, Gemma. Uh, I think it's going to be an absolutely amazing contest whichever way this game goes tomorrow. And and, and as, as I said, I'm a big believer that it's a two-horse race in the Women's Premier League competition. And, and regardless of how it goes, it's going to be a grand final preview anyway. So good luck tomorrow. Uh, prepare well. Thank you. Thanks, Jacko. Thanks, Nick. That was Gemma Iacono, who is the a star player in the St. Mary's Women's Premier League team. Former Darwin Buffett's player, so as a Buffs man, it was disappointing to lose her. And also Takisa Hale, formerly Takisa Doherty Cole, uh, who has missed a lot of the season, well, the whole season, really, with a knee injury. So, um, look, I think that it's going to be an a very entertaining game of football. And, Nico, I think we have you back. It's It sort of pays testament to the how much the football has improved in, in the women's, not just Australia-wide, but particularly in the Northern Territory Football League. The final last year between St. Mary's and Pint, I think it was a prelim final, was one of the most exciting games of football I've seen in a long, long time. Um, and, and the thing, too, is that the atmosphere in these games, the crowd support and, and how vocal everyone is, it's it's just outstanding. Oh, mate, you're, you're absolutely correct. And there's... Uh... As um, as Jem just uh, alluded to, you know, having Danielle Ponte come and play for St Mary's, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I've got my Danielle Ponte glasses on, but I, I think she's one of the best in the AFLW by a country mile, and uh, she's mm. got that real X factor about her. But to have her come up and play for a home club and to have some of those, you know, the young girls around her getting the opportunity to not only train beside but also play alongside one of the greats of AFLW would you know would do absolute wonders for for te women football 
especially in the in the top end. Well, 100%. I think it's a huge luxury and something that we need to make the most of because I can't see this continuing, you know, into the future as the AFLW becomes more and more professional and the contracts get bigger and bigger. I can't see AFL clubs allowing star players like Daniel Ponta to play for their junior team. And, and this is not, you know, pouring water over it all or being being a dampener here, but I just I think that's just a reality of the AFL business. I mean, it would be amazing if Southern Districts could slot Stephen May in centre-half forward or centre-half back this weekend <laughs> or, you know, you have Daniel Rioli running around off the half-back flank for St. Mary's. So, um, yeah, that is that is the reality, though, at the moment with um, the St. Mary's Women's Premier League team. They've literally got, you know, a top top 10 player in the AFLW and, and at her best, maybe one of the, the most talented players in, in Australia um, that will play and, and line up in a screen and goal jumper this week. So, yeah, that's that's exceptional stuff. It'd be great to see if we can get Danielle over the coming weeks to yeah, we just sort of talk about that because she um, generously gave her time around about this time last year and spoke about what it meant to her. And, um, yeah, it was great to hear her sort of pour out how much passion she has for the St. Mary's Football Club. Obviously, she's a, um, she's a long and she's also her father, Shane Ponter, is a six-time premiership player at the club and and Danielle would love nothing more than to have a premiership medal around her neck as well. So, yeah, it's it's a it's it's a great situation that we can have players of her caliber up here. It's a, it's funny. I can just imagine it. Like I know Danielle quite well, and I wouldn't be speaking out of turn here, but I can imagine when it comes to contract time, you know, with Adelaide Crows and the, you know getting all the contracts done, and then this little clause down the bottom saying uh, able to play for St Mary's Brus because she just <laughs> <laughs> you can you can imagine getting it done. But it's a I mean, there's, there's not. I don't think there would be anyone else in the country like it, really, because I mean, NTFL uh, is playing at you know this time of year. There's no other. There's no other comp playing, and so, so there was no, there's no real AFL other AFLW players that would be able to play in their off season. Where like Danielle Ponta, there's nothing screams preseason like playing in the top end. I'll just say that. hundred oh, percent. And just as a bit of a side track thing and I won't take too long here but I've always thought the NTFL and I think I've had this conversation with you or with Rick Nolan recently I've always thought the NTFL could be used as a development competition for some players like for example Richmond have got a guy as a category B rookie that's played five games of football in his life I believe he's an NBL player um why can't someone like him run around for four or five games for the Tiwi Bombers or something like that? Um, you know, with, with close eyes on him and, and management, and, hey, you're only playing three quarters and you're only doing this, and you're only doing that. I get that. You know, we have to be carefully managed. But some of these Category B rookies aren't on huge money. They're not being – they're not on $500,000 contracts or anything like that. So I, I'm surprised – or not surprised, but I think it would be a good idea that, you know, some a speculative beanpole 210-centimeter ruckman that gets drafted, pick 50 in the rookie pick, you know, get someone like him him to play a few more games up in the territory just to work on a few things and stuff like that. I've always been a big believer that something like that could work. Well, mate, you've not far. Like, we were talking, and I was having this conversation not that long ago. Can you imagine? So, imagine, so, like, a top 20 player gets, oh, you know, gets drafted and it's, say he's a ruckman or whatever, right? And he's he's not going to get he's not going to get game time because I don't know there's Sammy there's uh, big Sam Draper in the way mm. uh, no one's going to take his spot this kid's going to sit there sort of like a bit like Nick Bryan for instance let's use that as an example high high draft pick sort of just been sitting there developing over time developing over time why not do something like you just said? I mean like that's that's one you know for someone that was at a high draft pick but say Essendon could say to North Melbourne all right. 
we've got this kid. We're not going to be able to get AFL games into him, which we want to. You can borrow him for a year. And if you mm. want to play, if you don't have a Ruckman, you can play him. And then Essendon get rewarded in return for doing that, to giving another club something from the AFL, say it's a pick down in the, you know, the, the lower end of the, the draft. But this just keeps developing kids. Uh, like we, the old loan can, system. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't mind it. Mm. I think you're an ideas man, Nico. But, yeah, I think that the more and more we draw upon sports from overseas, you know, we have a mid-season trade period now. Not mid-season trade period, but the mid-season draft. Um, that'll probably turn into a mid-season trade period eventually, I imagine, Nico. Mm. Um, and, and I think, you know, our sport will more fall in line with what uh, sports like the EPL and the NBA and, and things like that do. So I certainly wouldn't be surprised if we see players being loaned out, for lack of a better term, uh, in moving into the future. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Well, uh, we better we better wrap it up. At, well, you better wrap it up at your end because you've got to shoot off to work, don't you? One hundred percent, mate. I um, I do. I need to sign off here. So, picked out work at the Wallagi Primary School. But uh, what have you got on? So, obviously, I'm going to have a casual chat here. But what have you got on for the weekend, uh, mate? I uh, what am I doing? I'm doing a bit of uh, just floating around the house. I'll be watching AS and then Geelong tonight, uh, which we didn't didn't really get to talk about the the practice game so we've got uh, we got round zero next week so that's something Jack. Oh, yes. we'll, we'll have a fair bit up our sleeve might even try and get a uh, afl play on next week we'll just see if what we can sort of wrangle in the meantime but not a lot mate but uh we better get to a break so i've got to get andrew o'toole on the other side of this break but mate, as, good, mate. as always great work by you today and we'll see you next week that's a pleasure see you later guys stick around here on sen top end You're listening to Fridays at the Top End with Jackson Clark and Raf Clark for breakfast. Powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. Fridays in the Top End uh, with Nico Riley. Jackson Clark is Gonski. Raphael Clark is on the back of a milk carton. Who knows where uh, that great man is. But uh, if you want to listen to anything from today, the full show and interviews, they'll be available on Spotify, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Little... Later on today, and of course, it's uh, Fridays in the top end, all thanks to Kubota. Uh, take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors, and land pride attachments. Uh, we've had a big show today, and there's uh, no greater guest that we've had on today than the great man, Andrew O'Toole from NT Racing. G'day, Andrew. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, Nick. How are you? Yeah, very well, thanks, mate. The, um, I actually, last weekend, I was working with the SEN Trackside boys, and uh, one thing I like about Darwin Racing is... Or you know, the top end racing. It's you know, it's pretty. It's pretty easy to follow, and there's uh, not a lot of uh, there's not the pools like there is down here with the horses. But I had I followed you quaddy, and I think I got knocked out in the uh, second leg or something at Alice Springs on Saturday. Yes, uh, I, I hadn't been going bad. Was that Danaher? Got, got me. You got me on a yeah. He went. He was only ordinary. You got me on a yeah. You got me on a bad week, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I have to try harder this week. Well, we've got plenty. Well, we can we can make it back up, of course. Today, starting in in Darwin. What's happening at the Darwin Turf Club today? Yeah, five race card today. Uh, two or three smaller fields uh, today, which is not unusual at this time of the year when Alice Springs is sort of in full swing as they head towards their carnival, which gets underway in a fortnight's time. Um, but a couple of winners in Darwin today. I think race one number two, Bonds Pride. Um, he should be winning. He's won his last three. He looks a pretty smart uh, conveyance for Jason Manning and Vanessa Rana. I think he's around the $2.30 mark when I last mm. looked. So race one, number two, Bonds Pride. 
Uh, and then if we go to race four, uh, number one, Mr. Havichat, he looks probably the best bet on the program. He's around a dollar ninety, which I didn't think was bad value. Um, his last start, which was his first start in Darwin, he finished second in a benchmark seventy-six mm. to our magnificence. He's dropping back three grades to this uh, zero to sixty-four. He's got four rivals. Uh, he's got the services of Jade Hampson, and uh, I think it'd be very hard to beat. Race four, number one, Mr. Havichat. Uh, huge day of racing, of course, continues and down in Alice Springs tomorrow. Yeah, good meeting in Alice. Uh, seven races. We divided the class two uh, 1100 down there. So that gave uh, the meeting seven races. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, their first day of the carnivals uh, in just over two weeks on the 17th, Sunday the 17th, so St. Paddy's Day. So be a great day to get down to the Red Centre and get stuck into the carnival there. Uh, I can see two or three on a, a tricky little card. Uh, race one, number one, excuses, excuses. Racing so well for Lisa Whittle. Uh, Jay Doyle visits from South Australia, claims the three kilos, takes the mount here. He um, hasn't put a foot wrong since joining Lisa's stable about um, half a dozen runs ago. And I think he'll continue on with his winning way. Race one, number one, excuses, excuses. If we go to race three, uh, number five, Proto Star, I like here for Terry Gillette and senior rider Stan Sakos. Only had the one start in the red centre and finished third here a fortnight ago. That was a good run. Uh, should be improved by that first up run on the track. This doesn't look um, the strongest of the two heats of the Class 2. So I think um, race three, number five, Proto Star can get the chocolates. And if we go then to race six, and I think my best bet of the day in the red centre, number three, Century Fox. Dick Leach, uh, of course, carried all before him in the red centre last year with uh, Write Your Name. Uh, and uh, this horse won the guineas down there at this time last year. Uh, he's a four-year-old now. Jade Hampson takes the mount, claims a kilo and a half, so he gets in really well with 54.5 kgs. He's only had the one start back this campaign um, and finished fifth. He'll be much improved uh, getting up to this trip of 1,400 metres. I think he'll take plenty of beating. Race six, number three, Century Fox. And uh, beautiful work by you, mate. Just before we let you go quickly, I went up to um, Alice Springs in, uh, when was that? In November, I went to a race meeting and I was doing a bit of work for Sportsbet at the time and I interviewed a jockey and he was just about to turn 60. Now his name, I can't remember his name. Do you know who I'm talking about? He would have turned 60 in a bit. Yeah, Paul Denton. Paul Denton. What was his nickname? Dash. Dash. That's right. What an absolute yeah. king that man was. He was unbelievable. Yeah. The, the, the thing I loved about Dash, he got off a ride. He goes, you ready for an interview, Nico? I went, absolutely, mate. And he's in the in the white pants and the white singlet and that, you know, and then he just <laughs> lit up a dart and just let rip. Uh, he's, a, he's an absolute champion. <laughs> he's uh, been, in, been in the territory for many, 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 many years, has Dash. And, uh, Still riding winners. He rode a winner last week in uh, in Alice Springs. Uh, rode Benting to win the last. Uh, so he's uh, still very, very much a uh, large part of the industry and the territory. Great, great bloke. My word is Andrew O'Toole. Thanks for joining us, mate. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, mate. All the best. Andrew O'Toole there from Top End Racing. Of course, NT Thoroughbred Racing. It's simply the best racing entertainment in the industry. Wow, we what a show has uh, just come and gone. Just like that. And it's, uh, we had an excellent chat with uh, Shannon Rusker, Jem Iacono. We didn't get Daryl White on this week, but uh, we'll endeavor to get him on next week, the great man. He, he did promise me yesterday that he was going to be on, but, uh, well, you know, promises fall through from time to time. Thanks, Daryl. He'll be tuning into at home too, so cop that, Daryl. Uh, Tash Medbury, of course, previewing the game tomorrow, which is going to be an absolute cracker. Uh, everyone's going to have an absolute... Wild time tomorrow at the footy this weekend. Uh, some unbelievable games going to happen. I can't wait to see St. Mary's and Nycliffe go toe-to-toe. That's if I just bring these 
these games up. So yeah, St. Mary's Nightcliff tomorrow from 6.45. Waratah take on Southern District's men. That is the first game, 4.15, of course, as I just said. St. Mary's and the Nightcliff Tigers at 6.45 at TIO. But you can listen to Waratah and the Crocs right here on SEN Top End. Tune into the app and uh, just give that a bit of a nuzzle for your uh, wrap your laughing gear around that. Uh, and uh, if you've missed out on anything or if you want to catch up, of course, you can do so as I just bring up my uh, trusty run sheet to see where you can do that. Full shows and interviews are available on Spotify as well as Apple Podcast. Under Just have a look there for Fridays in the top end. Shannon Rusker, thank you. Daryl White, no show. Tash Medbury, Gemma Icono, Andrew O'Toole, of course. We had a good show. Jackson Clark will be back next week. Will Raphael Clark be there? Who in the heck would know? Listen to SEN Top End. We'll see you next time.